0: Welcome into Forte Catholic, I'm Taylor Stroll, the host, and I'm joined today uh, by one of my co-hosts, Jonathan Blevins. Uh, we, we are starting the show off today differently than we usually do. Uh, it's been a rough week for America with the, with the death of George Floyd and uh, and the riots and all of the the everybody having an opinion on it and all of this it's just been a, it's been a hard week it's been a hard week for the country it's been a hard week for me uh which is why uh we had to delay this week's episode i i wasn't ready uh to, to talk about it i had to think about it i had to pray about it i had to process it um i actually processed a lot of it with with john and with a lot of other people today um so our plan for today is we're going to talk about um just kind of our response and we know look i know i'm, I'm a white male john a white male. Um, it's, 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 it's been a confusing time, uh, but I, I couldn't say nothing. Uh, so we wanted to come on to to today's show and just kind of share share our thoughts. For what it's worth, it's not going to be perfect. Um, it's not going to be. Uh, th- it's not going to make everybody happy. We're, we're trying. That's all, that's all we're trying to do is we're trying our best to share our hearts with you and and to share our our love with, with the community uh, of the show, the community around the show. Um, and, and really just uh, more importantly, our, our local community. So, uh, the biggest thing that has, that has stuck, Oh, our plan for today is, uh, we're going to, we're going to throw John and I did a a Facebook live for his parish uh, where we talked about this. And we're going to, we're going to jump to that here in just a couple of minutes Um, in, in our, in our second segment, uh, Meg Hunter Kilmer, she's a a great Catholic speaker. We're going to be talking with her and she's going to share about some of her favorite saints and, and particularly today uh, saints of color. And then in our final segment, we are going to lighten it up a bit. And and John and I will just kind of talk about a trip that he just took, but uh, like, our goal at Forte Catholic is to, is to bring people the joy of the gospel, and like we, we joke all the time, the whole make thoughts and fun, make thoughts and fun again. Like it, it, it's 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 funny, it's a joke, but like things aren't always happy. Like we're not happy right now, but joy is still a gift from God, and joy is going like finding joy in these times. is 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 a necessity like we just celebrated pentecost uh this 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 weekend right and like that has been the thing that i have been sitting with the most is this feast of pentecost where it reverses what happens at babel so if you look all the way back in the old testament here here's babel they're trying to build their own thing and then got like they're they're uh, languages are all just separated and they're speaking different languages they can't understand each other so they have to abandon hope and they have to abandon the project and then what happens at Pentecost um, they're all speaking one language and everyone understands you know like it literally and I, I, what I loved about this weekend and what never really stood out to me before as we as we read this scripture it lists off all the nations and like usually when I read it through the scriptures I just kind of skip that part but this weekend it meant a lot because it was it was nations of all races and colors and uh, leading religions and like, like it was just all these different People and they all heard the this message of the gospel uh in, in their own language. And like like the only way that we're going to get through this, everybody's speaking so many different languages right now. There's so much vitriol and hate going both ways. And it's like the language of love, the language of God, the language of the Holy Spirit is going to be the only thing that gets us gets us through this. So we're going to attempt to do that. We're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to go right now to John and I's conversation um, from the Facebook live for his parish. And then we'll come back with some of our final thoughts uh, before uh, we move on.
1: The other thing that has been really, really hitting the news in the last few few days, but also multiple times over the last few years and really over the last hundred years um, is, is the, what happened to George Floyd and before Anyone has like has any thoughts that that preconceived notions of where I'm going with this or anything like that? Um, just know like where I'm going with this is we are we're Catholic. Like this is this is actually my fa- my favorite thing. I've been saying this for ten years. I'm 32, so maybe 12 years now. I've been saying this for 12 years that my favorite part about being Catholic, my absolute favorite part, besides having the surest and safest way to know how to get to heaven, is uh, is is that you cannot put me in any box that the world has for me because I'm Catholic and so a lot of my values will align with one political party and a lot of my values might align with another political party or none of those parties and somewhere in the middle but no matter what I am Catholic first and I I think part of how we be Catholic in today's culture is to identify as Catholic as sons and daughters of God sons of sons and daughters of the Father identify as that before we identify as anything else. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, uh, whatever, whatever you you label yourself politically, um, we have to first and foremost understand that we're sons, beloved sons and daughters of the father, and that we are Catholic. And uh, that's important, right? Because as Catholics, we're pro-life. And as people who are pro-life, that means that we support all life from the womb to the tomb. And I love that, uh, stealing that from the pro-life movement, by the way, that's not my That's not my quote, but we are, we are Catholic from the womb to the tomb. And that means that we have a duty as Catholics to combat things like racism. And what happened to George Floyd is tragic. I know that there are political sides on both sides trying to politicize the entire thing. The riots that are happening right now, where where more people are being hurt and and violence is is occurring, that's not pro-life either. but, but the, 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 the issue of, of racism and systemic racism that is happening to us as like, not be afraid to stand up for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and and who feel persecuted. And, um, if you don't think it's real, right. If you're one of those people, like I've got friends who are kind of like, man, racism, like it's just overblown. It really isn't real. Like just check social media, um, to Taylor and I, you and I were talking before the show, uh, Anyone or before the show, because I'm always doing the show with right, you yeah. uh, before theology on tap. That like people, um, it's it's 50 Like you, you're going to get attacked by online all those right now because it's so heated. When in reality, as Catholics, our response is quite simple. Our response is that when there's a broken part of the body and a part a part of the body that feels broken, that we are broken with it, and that we are not whole until our brothers and sisters feel like they are whole. And so what, what can we do? We can, uh, we, we, we have to not be afraid to talk about it. Um, but but it's, it's tragic what's going on. And we're gonna go through some steps of what the Catholic Church is telling us that we should do. This isn't like John's thoughts or, or Taylor's thoughts. We'll walk through what the Catholic Church says we can do. So great question, Matt. Um, but it is, it is heartbreaking. I just wanna start with that, uh, Taylor. It's been heartbreaking to watch what happened to George Floyd what has tended to so many others um, and, I, and again, just want to clarify, I am not condemning uh, police, like police officers. Some of my very best friends are police officers. We all know not all police officers are bad, but that's not the point. Some are. Uh, I'm reminded, Taylor, of like when the Catholic Church scandal happened back in this past July, and then you know in Boston, you know 10, 20 years ago, like I, it hurt. People are trashing the Catholic Church, trashing priests. The most reaction on it was like. No, I know so many priests. I have so many priests. They're good friends. It's not them, but that doesn't help the victims who are feeling that way at that moment. So of course they're good priests. Of course course they're good cops. Um, But how can we help our brothers and sisters who are feeling like a broken part of the body? But it's been, it's been super sad to watch. I've been uh, shedding tears over it, praying for my friends and listening and learning. Uh, What are some of your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough week and I, I've, Hundreds of thoughts, but let's try I mean I'll try to keep it kind of like what you with what you were talking about. It's like uh, uh, th- first of all, the like b- not being able to put Catholics in a box thing because it's like I, I know that there are people out there that think and feel the way I do. But it's almost like that isn't allowed online and in, and in public discourse. It's like you have to pick a side, and like we're even we're even hearing people say that you have to pick a side. Is it cops or is it rioters? Is it is it George Floyd or is it that officer? Is it? And it's like you said it perfectly earlier that it's we're we're pro life. <laughs> like like no one should be dying in riots. George Floyd shouldn't have died. Uh, like any like there's there's been a the long list of people who have like people of color who have been murdered in the last. 10 years that we can't stand for that. And then like where I've been struggling as a Catholic is what, like mostly my heart's just breaking. Like I, I, I laid in bed for four hours yesterday and that's not a thing that I do. I wasn't napping. I wasn't doing anything. Like I was just, I, <laughs> I, I, I turned my phone off. I just couldn't scroll anymore because all I saw was vitriol. And it's just like, you know, like, and, and I saw like, like, you know, he, he was asking how, how we respond. Or how we combat racism, like there's 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 a long list of that, but like I've been thinking about like what is my response? How am I going to respond to this? And I've been, I I, I never want to react out of like a place of, uh, where I'm unsure or unsettled. Like I was in a lot. I've been in a lot of pain and and kind of emotional anguish over all this stuff. So I was like I was thinking about it, praying about it, and just kind of being patient. And then I was about to say something, and then I like all yesterday, all I saw was um white white men like myself like you need to use our platform and our privilege to to combat racism and then 50% of the other side all I saw was white men need to shut up so i'm like what what you know so like essentially what i've decided to do is take time away from social media and what everybody else is telling me to do sit down by myself in my room pray about it think through it what is my actual response? And then responding that way, uh, because I don't want to be swayed by either side. I want to go with where my heart is and where God is calling me to.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and as a, you know, I'm listening to you speak and as a, uh, as a dad, right, as a husband and a father, like uh, part of this is like, how do we teach our kids? Like, how do we, how do we address this with with our kids and how did our parents address it with us that helped shape us into the people that we are and what can we do um, similar to what they did or what can we do different? Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy to watch on social media, but and I, I share my, my thoughts with you that it's just been heartbreaking and it's tough to know exactly what to do, but I've reached out to a couple of my good friends who are um, black and very Catholic and they they just said, what do I do? What, what can we do as, as Catholics? Um, the church, by the way, has responses. The USCTB has a ton of letters right now about things that we can do, different dioceses are coming up with different things that we can do as Catholics because it's important, right? It's not a political issue. We can—it's it, a—it's an issue that we can try to use politics to try to fix, but it's not just going to get fixed by politicians, right? This is there are 1.2 billion Catholics, like we have a huge voice, and there's racism happening all over the world, in our country. So the, the Catholic Church has something to say about what we should do, um, and and we'll talk a little bit about, about what friends. So the first thing is this: the first thing is that we got to listen. We have, we have to listen like I, and that's so hard for me because I'm so opinionated I'm like oh I saw that that's bad I'm just gonna go and, and I, I know best I'm gonna tweet about it I'm gonna Facebook it um, but we have to listen to our brothers and sisters listen to what the church is saying um, and and try to understand where our brothers and sisters are coming from um, we have to educate ourselves so I've done more of that in the last five years after a lot of these tragedies that happened four or five six years ago made the news of uh, what are what are the statistics what really is happening why? Uh, why does it seem to be happening? And educate ourselves and try to get rid of our preconceived notions and and try to see with fresh eyes uh, is super important. And we need to pray, right? We need to pray for for peace. Like we, I believe in a God of miracles. There, there's been people who um, who have been really inspired by lately who are 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 talking about like we should be praying for miracles for for God to help get rid of COVID. We should be praying for a miracle. Like why why is our prayer small? Like protect me, protect my family. That's okay, but like. Let's Lord, let's, let's get a miracle happening. Let's wipe this thing out before, uh, you know, before school starts. Like, uh, that, that we should be bold in our prayer. And we can be bold in our prayer in regards to racism as well. Like Lord, like change hearts, like God can do, can change way more hearts than we can. And then we, he can use us and use our hearts to help, uh, change other hearts as well. And so praying for peace is huge. Um, and, uh, I, I want to pull up this, this, this article from the UCCB Their their thoughts are pray together. Um, Don't be afraid to to say those prayers. I was just mentioning Uh, to reach out to to people to friends uh, and get their perspectives Like hey, what do you think uh, about this entire thing to to reach out to to? um, Black men and women and say hey, like how what what is it that you think about this? How can I learn more from you? What is your experience? How can we reach out to the community Um, and bring what we've learned through reaching out and praying and reflect on some of those hard questions like like I've literally this past year more than ever reflected on like in what ways am I possibly part of the problem and and in what ways can I help teach my kids to not be part of the problem and to be part of the solution and so to talk to my kids um, about race and to talk to my kids about the history of, of race in our country and to talk about the amazing progress that's been made but also how much more there is to go um, and to to continue to to learn together and to not be afraid to as Catholics to stand up. Right. Like I, the, and that, that goes for everything pro-life. Like I think the time is now for us as Catholics to stand up and say, listen, like I am not going to be defined by some political party. I'm Catholic. This is what our church teaches. This is what God has given us. And this is how the and anything else that you can do.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that you said, the, Um, Like praying, praying big, and praying for miracles. It's it's interesting because like I'm I'm hearing, I hear that, and I know that you're right. I know that you're right. Uh, It's it's hard for me to hear. Just personally, it's always been hard for me. uh, And I hope I'm hoping more people are like you and not like me. But I know that there are people like me where it's like I hear about tragedies elsewhere, and it's really it's 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 often not in this case, but often very hard for me to 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 feel about them to pray about them to do those. like we hear all the times about like you know disasters in china or disasters in india or disasters in in europe and it's it's hard it's, it's just honestly hard for me to like feel for those and for those to be a part of like my prayer and my heart space and my head space because there's so many things going on that i could be praying about and doing locally or in my in my own mission and, and those sorts of things right but then something like this happens with 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 the situation we find ourselves in now and it's just everyone's everyone around me is hurting even though like just people like people like my black my black friends my hispanic friends uh dominican friends they're all hurting around that so now it is affecting me because it's affecting my friends does that make sense right so like it's yeah and, and then so I'm 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 hearing that and like Yes. I like, I'm challenged by what you said. I should be praying more for the big thing and the big miracle. But I think the biggest thing that like, you know, I, I told you, I like, I wouldn't lock myself in my room and like, what is going to be my response? And it's what I, this is how I usually respond to, to big things elsewhere, because they, they feel so big and so impossible. And so like, it's just like I throw a prayer and there's this mountain and I just threw a pebble at it and I, I just feel kind of helpless. Right. And I, I know prayers more than that, but I've just told you how I feel. And but then, like, the biggest thing that I was like, I was like, I need to talk with and listen to, like, like you were saying, my, my, my friends of color and their experience and their response on this. And that's what I've been doing. I, I've stopped scrolling and I go specifically to people's pages that, that I want to hear from, right? Um, and then, like, today, I, I shared a little bit with you earlier. Like, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a black guy who runs a, uh, a restaurant here and he is he's one of the best men that I know. So today I was like, I want to do two things. One, I want to go support him and his restaurant. COVID happened. Yeah. Not great for restaurants. And now we're starting to open up. I wanted to go support him at like the first time that I thought about it. Two, I wanted to talk to him and I just wanted to tell him I love him. Um, I'm going to tear up. <laughs> um, I, I drove up the, the other day with my kids who are who are uh, half brown. My wife's Hispanic. And uh, I was so sad because I ordered my food and he wasn't there. And then I walk outside and there he is. And and he and I talked for thirty minutes. And like this guy, he's uh, the the biggest story of resilience that I've ever met personally. Uh, he was he was. He lived in New Orleans. His whole family lived there. Uh, when Katrina hit, they lost everything. All they had was the car. They drove to Houston. Houston was full uh, of, of refugees. And they were like, you can go to, to College Station where I live, or you can go to Austin. He came to College Station. He started a restaurant in a gas station. Uh, the, it got so popular that he opened up the big restaurant. He's lo- like, I've been in his restaurant. Um, like, like it's unreal stories. I, like he's, t- I, we're talking about his grandmother and praying for his grandmother. Cause she's sick. His grandmother walks in. We pray with her. She dies a week later. So like, wow. and then I go, I go two weeks later, we pray again. Like my family knows this family. Like we've, we've become kind of this, this family in this little community where I go and eat my Cajun food. And he and I stood outside today and talked about Black Lives Matter. We talked about George Floyd. We talked about the riots and like he and I had a discussion and we agreed on mo- on almost everything. And then. A friend of his comes up, who grew up with him in New Orleans, who's a police officer. They hug. <laughs> uh, he and I, hug- and it was one of those things like we're supposed to be socially distancing still, but we looked at each other and we had just shared our hearts with each other for 30 minutes, and we're like, yeah. "Love over <laughs> social distancing," just in this case, you know. And uh, <laughs> it was just a really special moment for me um, to to be to be in his presence and just to love him and to and to receive love back. And like, so like, that's what I had to do for me. I had to do something local where I could just go talk to a human person. And it was beautiful. For
1: sure. No, that's beautiful, bro. Thank you for sharing that.
0: So that was my conversation with John, who's my co-host today, um, just about an hour ago on, on the Facebook Live for his parish. John, did you have any, any final thoughts on, on what's going on uh, with, with, the, with the culture and with just the situation in our country right now?
1: Uh, just a little bit with um, the sadness that I feel for some of the families over the last few years, in particular, where these cases, like this case with uh, with Floyd, um, and rightfully so, it was videotaped. We saw we saw what happened. We saw even what happened before he was. We've seen the whole thing. There's no speculation, right, um, of what happened to him. Um, the, like a, a couple days before that, Breonna Taylor was killed. And, and that was not really talked about a ton uh, by, by the mainstream media. And a couple days before that, someone else. And like, for, for the past few years, like whenever a huge case happens, John Martin, um, you, know, you name it. You, you, there's other cases that you'll start to learn about as you start to read through all the different tweets and all the different news um, that you're like, whoa, why didn't I hear about that one that happened two days before? Or the one four days before that? Or five days before that? And you, I, I just, my heart just breaks for those families. Um, and so, in particular, Brianna Taylor uh, and her I just think it's important for us to remember the names, to pray for their families, um, because a, a big case like like George Floyd is overshadowing um, a, a huge issue. And, and as Catholics, again, um, as I said before, like as Catholics, like we got to do something, um, and, and not make it not make it political, but to do something to actually affect change. Uh, in the world
0: yeah for sure so we need to we need to listen uh which i've been doing a lot of i've been much more quiet than i usually am um uh, just listening taking things in uh from both from both sides from every side and just like what what rings true and, and sits with me um and how how can i respond uh how can i show love to to the like to the things that i can that i can actually do my local community um in my family with my friends with 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 people on the show um so um Thanks for being with us here today, guys. We are going to uh, we're going to close out this first segment of the show. Whenever we come back, I'll be talking with Meg Hunter Kilmer uh, about kind of her radical life and uh, and and some of her favorite uh, saints of color as well. So do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back to Forte Catholic. I am still Taylor Schroll. We have dropped our co-host uh, just because of timing. The world is crazy. We all know that, that he was traveling, uh, but we've got another person who knows a little bit about traveling. She, she travels just a little bit. A little bit. Uh, Meg Hunter-Kilmer is my guest today. Uh, first of all, welcome, Meg. It's nice to have you here. Taylor,
2: thank you so much. I'm psyched to be with
0: y'all. Oh, good. I'm excited uh, primarily because most guests I come on, there's this Uh, There's like two groups, people I know very well or people that I've literally never heard of where it's like, you know, they they come out with some radical book or something. And I'm like, I got to talk to this person. They seem crazy or awesome or, you know, whatever. (laughs) They're on an extreme something. But you're right in the middle. I think you might be the first person to ever come on as a guest. That is an enigma to me. I know about you. I know what you do. I have known what you do for many, many years um i've run into every other speaker at a conference or a retreat or something you and i have never met and it's it's very strange to me <laughs> yeah it's baffling because i
2: feel like right like the catholic world is really small like should should we not have been like seated next to each other at a table for a fundraiser or something sometime what right, right. do you know
0: I know. It's, it's been very strange, but I, I'm very happy when I uh, I reached out and you were like, yes, I, I'm available because most of us are now. And usually you're traveling the world, but right now, uh, because of the world, uh, you are not.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for people who don't know me, I'm a missionary. I live out of my car. Um, so I used to be a regular person with like a house and a job. I went to Notre Dame, got a couple degrees in theology, taught religion for five years. But for eight years now, Taylor, I have been living out of my car. So I have not had a permanent address in eight years. Literally everything I own parked in the driveway right now. And I drive around the country, fire on the world, tell people how much God loves them. So um, currently I'm at my sister's house uh, but I was squatting at an abandoned rectory in Oklahoma for a couple of months. Wait, you know, wait,
0: wait, the- wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Abandoned rectory? How, like, how do you get connected with that?
2: I mean, I guess when I say abandoned, I just mean it's not sketchy. There were no priests there. Not like I broke in through the confessional window and right. <laughs> like, was living in a haunted rectory. Uh, yeah. It was just a rectory. That's not in use right now. And I ran into my goddaughter's godfather and I had met him one time and I was like, I think I know that guy. And so I was like, Oh, hi, I think we share a goddaughter. And he was like, Oh, one thing led to another. He's a priest. He has this extra rectory. <laughs> it's attached to a church. And at the, at that point I wasn't, It was kind of looking like the diocese I was in might shut all the churches. And so I was like, if I can get under the same roof as Jesus and be able to get in front of the (laughs) Blessed Sacrament, like... I cut off an arm. I don't care. Like, I don't care how abandoned and sketched out this rectory is. Like, give me Jesus. So it was a real grace to be able to be there.
0: So, okay, I, I did this. thing. Was, this was maybe a year ago, but I finally shared publicly something that's kind of embarrassing. But I, I realized that, one, I'm not the only one. But the people who were against me were very against me. I am terrified to be in a church alone. Like, I've worked in churches for years and, like, So like when I turn off the, there's one church that that I've worked in for the last five years and there are literally no windows. It's an old Protestant church that the Catholic church bought. There is no windows. It's a completely enclosed building. So when you turn off the lights, you turned off the lights and it was Mm -hmm. terrifying. And everybody was like, well, you don't love Jesus enough and feel his peace. I was like, I'm running through the church. This is scary. (laughs) Where do you land? (laughs)
2: Okay, so the Eucharist is not magical, right? (laughs) If a murderer comes out of the closet, you can't hide behind the tabernacle and they won't see you. Um, but I love churches by myself because right. I I like to be comfortable when I pray. Um and so like usually if I'm in a church where someone might walk in, I'll sit on the floor and like get judged when people walk in. Or they I like, you know, I have my knees pulled up and my head down and so they think that I'm curled up in the fetal position on the floor crying, which is always oh, awkward. Um, but when I was staying in this church and I was like zero possibility, I need them to walk in. I was bringing a pillow and blanket and like <laughs> curling up on the floor and lying there because I just, some people pray well with their bodies, but I don't, my body's a huge distraction to me. And so if I can be comfortable enough that I'm not constantly thinking about how I wish I was comfortable, I just pray so much better. So like a church where I know I'm going to be alone is awesome because I can like, I don't have to, you know, pretend I'm one of them fancy people that kneels. It's, like, it's just like straight
0: right. Right on the ground. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you because everybody's like, because the biggest pushback that I've gotten, I'm, I'm very similar. The biggest pushback I've gotten is like, well, you need a little bit of sacrifice in your prayer. I said, look, I can sacrifice or I can pray. Both uh-huh. are good. And uh-huh. I, I do both. I try to do right. both. I don't right. do either well, but I try to do both. Uh, but I can't pray while sacrificing, you know, <laughs> like uh, yeah. leave me alone. Well, And I
2: think that, Like, there's definitely space for that, right? There's like maybe you want to say, I'll spend 10 minutes on my knees and then the next half hour comfortable. Um, But I think that. If you are living a life where sacrifice is something that's constant and where elements of your prayer are sacrificial, like for me, I don't really care for the rosary and I pray it anyway, because I think that God has asked me to. And so like that in its very nature is sort of sacrificial to me, Um, but you just got to know yourself, right? For some people that act of physical discomfort heightens the experience of prayer. And for some people it draws away from it. And there's, there's no right or wrong to that. Like It's okay to recognize that people pray differently.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you, you said so many things, and we've got to hit all of them. One of them is you. You say like you you travel around, you you live out of your car, and then you said you flew places, which is confusing. Like, how do you get back to your car? That's not important, though. That's just a question I have, and I want you to know that I have that question. <laughs> but he, here's the thing: you you've like you've gone by the moniker hobo for Christ for how long? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, he, we're gonna talk about my ignorance now, and most people would be surprised. Well. Uh, th- I was gonna say most people would be surprised that uh, my ignorance only came out after six minutes of us talking, but some would argue it came out two minutes ago when I was talking about either being scared at church or not kneeling while praying. But you know, whatever. Um, so I, I had a misunderstanding of the word hobo, so I had to look it up today because okay. I always thought hobo was just like homeless person. And yeah. So so I I looked it up and this this was this was good. A hobo is a migrant worker or homeless vagrant. I I would like to think that you're the first and not the second. I mean, the second is accurate. I don't have a home and I move from place to place. So what, like, vagrant though? See, vagrant has a negative connotation to me too, and I don't know why.
2: Yes, but canonically, I actually am a vagrant.
0: Canonically? (laughs) Like the church calls you a vagrant?
2: Yeah, there is a category in canon law for somebody who doesn't have a domicile. Um, And most people never meet one of those.
0: To Dan, here, yeah. So not only is it a negative term, it's a negative ch- term that the church uses. <laughs>
2: yeah, I Here's the thing. I, I wasn't the one who came up with the moniker Hobo for Christ. It wasn't like my intention when I started. I didn't know that I was going to be living out of my car for eight years. Right. Someone just started calling me that and I was like, no, that makes sense because where I'm from, you would never use the word hobo as a derogatory term to talk about a homeless person ever. Right,
0: hobo right. And, is- and that's like, like we wouldn't eat like that. That's why I had the negative connotation because I was told never to call a homeless person a hobo. So I thought it was a bad name and then you're going around with this bad name and i was very confused Uh,
2: But i think where i'm from like it's so much you would never do it that like i never occurred to me that anybody does not like some slurs where you're like oh you shouldn't say that but like like in my mind it's the connotation is purely dude who jumped on a train in the 1930s with uh kerchief on a stick, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> those people don't really exist anymore. I'm not like appropriating somebody else's struggle that I don't have a right to, you know, like that's fine, and then like I've I've gotten into some trouble because people are like, "How dare you call yourself homeless?" And I'm like, "I mean, I know that it's by choice, but I like really don't have a home. Like, I but
0: really, really don't. Less, I am um, less a home. Yeah, and it's,
2: and it's not the same thing, and I understand that for sure. But I like, I don't know. It's just it's tricky. I probably would do it differently if I had a do-over. In England, it's fun because in England, you know, hobo doesn't really have a meaning. Like maybe it means drunk. You know, I was going around telling everyone I was a drunk for Jesus, which is like, like, if that's your story, like do, the apostles you know, at Pentecost, <laughs> right? like, beautiful, let the Lord heal that. But like, I'm just not. And so I had someone who was like, really, what you mean is you're a tramp? You need to say you're a tramp for Jesus. And I was like, right. Yeah. So I can't say I'm a tramp. Right. So my accent, that means something different.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like, like, as I was reading the descriptions, it, it said that was a hobo, unlike a tramp. Who works only when forced to? When I hear "tramp," I think something completely yeah. differently that I would never call anyone. Thank um, you. Like "lady and the tramp," it's like that was weird. You know, like I've I never <laughs> felt right about that. But Disney said it, so I guess it's fine. Yeah, and a back bum, in the day
2: it meant something different. Yeah, did it? <laughs> no, I think it really did. I think it really did, and I think it was applied to women after that. But, so I think it, became but it was an the insult. man.
0: It was very strange. Because right, it was no,
2: like li- a, a tramp is like is like a dude who just wanders around and tries to get you to give him stuff without wanting to work back in the day. Now okay. Americans
0: anyway. Right. So then we have a bum who doesn't work at all. So you're not a bum because you work. I do. You're you're not a tramp in the correct term because you're not forced to or a tramp in any of the terms, to be completely honest. But you are the hobo. You are a migrant worker. I feel so much better about this term for you after looking this up and talking with you.
2: (laughs) Well, it's great because every time people introduce me, they're like, she's a self-proclaimed hobo for Christ. and I'm like, nobody wants to own that. Like, nobody wants to say that in their own words, which is fair. Like, I get that.
0: This, this lady we brought into the church is a hobo <laughs> and but, <now> she's gonna... <laughs> I've had
2: people who'll be like oh bishop I know this great homeless woman we should invite her up there and the bishop's like we should what now like what are you talking yeah, about we, I'm like,
0: we had a homeless gotta... woman sneak into our school and I had to escort her out that's very yeah. different <laughs> yeah, you
2: gotta lead with like I know a missionary with a master's degree not like I have this homeless friend who should live in our church
0: okay now you just now now the people who aren't now the bishop isn't worried but every parent because one thing that you shared is that you went to a lot of schools and got a lot Mm -hmm. of degrees well if you go to if you go get your master's kids uh, you can become a hobo after (laughs) I know I know well and I have
2: parents sometimes who are like you are not telling my child and I'm like no if your kid says I want to do what you do I tell them finish grad school first and then we'll talk because by the time you have student loans and you spent that much time in school like you probably don't just want to couch surf for a decade you know like most people don't and if you do like maybe that's the holy spirit but i always tell people if you're naturally a bum on the couch and you think being a uh, homeless and unemployed is a good idea it's not get a job right but if yeah. i'm super type a i'm like really achievement oriented if i felt like this is a good idea i knew it had to be the holy spirit because there is zero possibility <laughs> that i come up <laughs> with something like this myself for
0: zero. sure for sure so yeah. we've gotten to know you and one yeah. of the things like like when the world is is on, you travel the travel the world and and speak. I know that you were you were based <laughs> you know, at with your with your family for a while while the whole virus was going on uh but usually you're traveling all over the country all over the world uh sharing the message of jesus and and you can't do that uh (laughs) as much anymore so i wanted to i wanted you to come on so we've gotten to know you of who you are but we want to see we want to see you in action we want to see like so i know i know that you you came and you you had you had a couple of things that you wanted to share today about some particular saints
2: yeah, so I, I'm a little bit obsessed with the saints.
0: Um, I, I for those of you listening and not watching on YouTube, she's wearing a saint shirt right now. There's just sure. a bunch of different saints. She I, she taught me, I'm a bad Catholic, I only knew 50% of the saints on her shirt. Uh, she taught me about the other two. But anyway, you've got some other saints you want to talk about. Yeah,
2: um, I just have discovered in recent years, like I wasn't always into the saints, I but I've discovered how powerful it is to hear the story of somebody who struggled the way that you struggle, or who suffered the way that you suffer, or who lived the way that you live, who who has a shared experience with you, um, and just how, how profoundly the Lord is able to speak healing into people's hearts when they recognize that holiness is possible in their circumstances, right? The way that they're living. And I think um, one thing that I've really tried to be intentional about in recent years uh, is talking about saints of color, because I think a lot of our churches were built by Irish communities, Italian communities, German communities, and they put in their Irish and German and Italian saints. And that's oh, that's yeah. great. That made sense. Right. But the church is not primarily white, right? It wasn't at its inception. It isn't now, but most of our, most of the saints that we know, like if you ask somebody, you get a group of Catholics together and you get them just to name saints. I mean, you're probably like, if you get 50 saints, maybe you're going to get five saints who aren't depicted as white, you know, and like maybe they'll put in the apostles, but they're going to, they're not going to talk about them being Middle Eastern, but right. you're going to get like <laughs> Martin de Porres and Josephine Biquita, maybe Juan Diego. Um, and like, if somebody's super woke, you might get like Andrew Kim Taigon. Right. Um, and it just occurred to me how many children are growing up, not seeing people who look like them and mm. who dress like them and who eat like them, people with their culture who are models of holiness. And how many little white children grow up thinking holiness is for white people. Mm. And, you know, like the way that that cements prejudices um, and the way, the way that it just like dehumanizes these, these Catholic children. Um, and so I've started really trying to call attention to saints of color, among other things, and just seeing the fruit that the spirit is bringing in that has been an incredible gift
0: to me. That's tremendous. So, uh, share your two favorites with us.
2: Okay, so my best friend is Blessed Peter Kube,
0: um, <laughs> and
2: he is Japanese, um, and is amazing. So, he was born in 1587 in Japan. So, uh, um, about 40 years after Francis Xavier preached the gospel in Japan, he's born to Uh-oh. a Christian samurai family, um, and he. Wanted to be a Jesuit priest, and so he like goes to the Jesuits. He's like, "Can I enter?" And they're like, "We're not sure if you're committed enough." And he was like, oh, "Okay, well, how about just volunteer with you guys for a while to sort of like prove that I really mean it?" And they're like, "Okay." So he goes home, makes a vow that he will be ordained a Jesuit priest, and he volunteers with them for eight years. They never let him in. They're kicked out of Japan, and uh, um, and he's like, oh, "Okay, I'll get my bag." And they're like, "No, no, only the Western missionaries need to leave." And he was like, "Oh, is there someone else here who's going to ordain me?" No. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'll get my bag. So he travels with them. He goes to Portuguese Macau to in China near Hong Kong. And they're like, yeah, we don't ordain Japanese people. Which is probably super racist, but, like, maybe they were like, uh, it's a di- it's a complicated year because of, you know, the shogun's new edict, whatever. But he sails to Goa, and he goes to the seminary there. And they're like, yeah, we don't ordain actually any native clergy. Um, the clergy clerical state is just for europeans so he's like fine i'll go to rome like if it was me i would be like forget you like i don't need you people i'll start my own church right but yeah exactly so <laughs> I he decides he's gonna though. go to rome and i guess he's sick of boats because he walks 3700 miles oh my goodness right which is just like so good for me because i just i love a good pity party like i love <laughs> a good pity party and blessed peter keep just standing there with his arms folded like girl Stand up and keep going. I'm like, but I just walked up half a flight of steps to go to church. Don't I deserve a halo? And he's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> so um, he walks to Jerusalem, first Japanese person ever to enter Jerusalem, goes to Rome, gets ordained there. It then takes him eight years to get back to Japan because he can't get a boat. He's chased by pirates and he's shipwrecked and all of this stuff. But he finally makes it back from the very beginning of when he tried to become a, a Um, jesuit priest till he finally arrived back in japan a jesuit priest 24 years
0: that's i mean it's just crazy it's just crazy. all the while knowing (laughs) he was
2: on his way to torture and certain death and he never gave up like amazing
0: i feel really bad about myself and i I, I know that's what the the stories of the saints are supposed to do
2: but like also so encouraged you know because i feel like he's he's that coach you had who wasn't like what is wrong with you but he was like i know you can do this like i know you can do this right like that's the way that kibe is for me where i'm feeling sorry for myself and he's like girl get up like we got this you know not you got this but we got this because he's walking alongside with me uh, and so he spent nine years ministering so if you've seen silence the martin scorsese film that came out a couple oh, yeah, years yeah. ago like picture that right those mountains those waves those people who move under cover of darkness who are going to get killed if they're caught like all of that imagery was so powerful for me because I, I met kibe right around the time that i saw that movie uh, nine years he spends in that environment and eventually he's uh betrayed and he's arrested and killed uh, but he's just he's such an encouragement to me because of just that perseverance you know yeah
0: for real for real. All right. Amazing. You did you did that one in all of your time. So you got one minute to do the second one. <laughs> I don't
2: want to do the second one. Okay. Um, I'll just say, look up Cyprian and Daphros Rugamba. They're amazing. They're a Rwandan couple. He was awful. He was an atheist. He was a, uh, an adulterer. He had an illegitimate child. She is like trying to be faithful. Eventually he has this conversion. He's this like brilliant choreographer and artist and musician in Rwanda. Um, and they, he has this conversion and they have reconciliation in their marriage. And it's amazing because you look at pictures of them and she looks at him like the sun rises and sets on this man Mm. who made her life hell for 20 years. You know, like just the forgiveness in her and the conversion in him. And they brought about this revival in the Rwandan Catholic Church. And they ended up being killed at the very beginning of the Rwandan genocide. But for them to be on track to be the first saints of Rwanda as a couple whose entire life was defined by reconciliation. And by mercy is I think such a gift to the nation of Rwanda and a gift to the world. Like it's just, it's such a blessing to see that healing is possible, that mercy is possible, that God can work miracles in marriages too.
0: I'm going to have to show that lady to my wife for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we could go on for, for days, but we, we are yeah. out of time. So uh, you'll definitely have to come back. But before, before you leave today, uh, how can people get in touch with you?
2: So the easiest thing is to Google Hobo for Christ. Um, and you'll find my website and I've got buttons on there for Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I'm not great at posting on my blog, but I'm good at showing up on Instagram. I've got a mm-hmm. podcast that has back episodes and maybe eventually I'll record things again. Again, I You know, like life, right, right. y'all? Um, but yeah, podcasts and a YouTube channel, um, but mostly Instagram and Facebook is
0: where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Meg. Uh, and, uh, I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Uh, everybody else, we, uh, we will be right back, and maybe John will show back up. Who knows? Don't go anywhere. David Niles here alongside Adam Minahan from the Catholic Man Show,
1: and we have a big announcement for all the fathers out there. So if you are a dad or if you have a dad, listen up.
0: I know that there's a lot of Catholic dads out there that listen to Catholic radio, and we partnered with a bunch of Catholic affiliates, including Catholic Answers, to bring the ultimate Catholic Man Show Father's Day giveaway.
1: That's right. We have a brand new Yeti cooler that we're giving away that's packed full of Catholic stuff. So if you want information on how to win it, go to the slash giveaway.
0: Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll once again, rejoined by Jonathan Bearded Blevins. I can say that in full confidence or in full uh, confidence now because the beard's back, baby. It is back,
1: baby, and I'm glad that you think so because all my friends think I should keep it at the exact length that it is
0: now and not grow it out because they say I look better and thinner. Well, you just look thinner because you've been working out. Those are those are better different, believe are different it, dude. Uh, John, you. Just uh, drove across the country, which is a which is a strange thing to do. Like, how many? Okay, you went to Arizona. How far yeah. away is that from where you live, miles wise?
1: So I I actually don't have that memorized, but my wife made a Facebook status about the total trip. So if you're good at math, you can help me divide by two this number. Um, but it was we actually drove in total uh, three thousand.
0: 663 miles. And I'm brilliant, meaning that I pulled up my phone quickly. <laughs> 1,831 and a half miles. So I'm get like 24 hours of driving each way? Uh 56 total. Oh my gosh. Hours
1: in the van. You, you, in, our, in our brand new, I mean, it's not brand new. It's brand new to us. 30, it had 30... Something thousand miles on it and now has 50,000 on the Odyssey, my friend.
0: Wait, you have a Honda Odyssey? I have a Honda Odyssey, it's in the shop right now because oh, it's, it's o- like the Catholic dad uh, thing, yeah. Uh, 2010, so it's in the shop. What about yours? I think mine is like 2016. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Chicago worker.
1: Okay, <laughs> we don't even make them 2010 in Chicago, dude. yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it was this debate for weeks. Um, do we go? Like COVID's happening. We live in a horrible county with COVID, but we've been sheltered literally the entire time. We have our groceries delivered. Like we have not gone out anywhere since we since this whole thing happened. Um, it's a long drive. We couldn't fly because obviously that's expensive and dangerous. And so it's like, man, but we want to see my, my parents and our good friends Joel and Colleen and their kids, who've also all been quarantined. So it was very safe. But we were nervous. We what are people gonna think? We didn't post about it on social media at all before, like until like halfway through the trip. I started doing it a little, and then Jody shared it when we got back, uh, because we don't want to be judged, right? Like we saw people driving across the country like months ago, and we're like, man, that doesn't seem safe right now. Um, but we did it in a safe way. The kids never left the car. I was the only one who went into the gas station, uh, like to, to buy anything. Used a glove. Uh, had a mask. Had the masks on. So it was it was a really cool thing. We finally decided to do it, and we we're so glad that we did because it was amazing.
0: Yeah. So y'all I mean, y'all were gone for. Was it like a week and a half, two weeks, something like that? A total of, including the driving days, we were gone for 17 days. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I I knew it was somewhere around there. And it was one of those things that like you and I were texting back and forth and like I would either see on your on your feed or on Joel's feed, who's a, a mutual friend of ours. You're, y'all are you are great friends. He's been on the show a couple of times before. I, I would see little things and we'd go back and forth, but it was like, you're you know, you're know, enjoying your time with the family and I didn't want to press too much, but I was like, this trip looks awesome and I can't wait to talk to you about it. So here we are. <laughs> here we are talking about it. And like, the, so at least for me, I want to go backwards because like the, one of the things that like you posted on the drive back and you were kind of giving updates as you were going across the country, which was just fun for me. It was just cool to like, Imagine what was happening with you as a dad and driving the car and the great moments and the terrible moments of kids in the car yeah. and all that stuff. It was just fun for me to imagine, and I would—I'm guessing I'm about ninety-eight percent correct of what happened at every moment. But that's a, that's a whole other thing. But you're driving through Colorado, and it was one of those things that, like, I've been in my house most of the time. Like, i this week I started going out. Like, things started opening up. I've gone to the gym twice. I haven't died. I almost did, but it wasn't because of COVID. It's because I'm so out of shape. <laughs> but <laughs> but you, you shared this picture of y'all in Colorado and this beautiful scenescape and this beautiful mountain. And like, I was like, I haven't been impressed by God's creation in two and a half months because I haven't gone outside. (laughs) All I've seen is these padded walls. And some people think I should have gone away for two and a half months in a padded walled room, but that's a whole nother thing. And I was just like, John, you just showed me God's creation through Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So well, here's
1: the thing. Like Jody, when you get her—that's my wife for those listening. When you get her like excited about an idea, she's in. Um, but sometimes it's hard to get her excited about like driving across the country with uh, two two toddlers. Why would
0: that be and, a difficult thing to convince her of? Right, And a three-month-old baby, yeah, a four-month-old Sounds baby. Sounds terrible. I would never do uh, it.
1: <laughs> our baby, our baby is so chill. She really is. Um, I'll get into that in just a second. But um, like once once we started the trip, the day, the, the second we got in the car. We both knew like this is going to be fun. It's going to be joyful and it's going to be great for our family. And so on the way home, it wasn't difficult for her to convince me that we should take the longer way, the longer (laughs) way home. Like after being gone from our house, she's like, let's add five or six hours and go through the mountains of Utah and the Rocky mountains, dude. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. Like, and and I echo everything you just said. Like, I haven't seen Beauty in two and a half months. Whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa.
0: Like, okay, got, Uh, still dangerous. You know, you were just, you know what? It, you, nature. You were just talking about your wife. I just want to make sure nature. You get nature. I haven't seen Beauty in two and a half months of God's creation. I'm <laughs> like, that's that Jody. He loves you. I promise. <laughs> I love her.
1: She's beautiful. Um, but dude, like, so. But I was like, yes, let's go. And we're driving through Utah, and I don't know if you've ever driven through the mountains of Utah, but Utah is like my my. It might even be better than Colorado, in my opinion. Like, it was. It was every every mile in Utah. The mountains were different. Like there's tons of trees, and then there's then there's like this weird clay kind of stuff, and all these different colored rocks and, and clay. And you're like, like literally, we're driving, and I was just like, look at the dirt, look, <laughs> look how beautiful that dirt is. And I was like, is that a pyramid of dirt? Like, look at that. It's a sand dune. And my kids are like, whoa, is that a, what's a sand dune, daddy? Like, it was just so cool. And then, um, this one moment though, it's my favorite part of the whole trip. And then I'll, I'll talk with the Rockies the favorite part of the whole drive home was we're driving through Utah and there's this beautiful place. I'm going to forget the name of it right now. It's like recapture reservoir or something reservoir. And there's all these mountains and we hadn't seen water in a while. And all of a sudden you see this little tiny trail off the highway. I'm going 75, 80 miles an hour. And you see these cars pull off onto this trail and start to go really slow. Too slow for it to be like ten miles off the road, so you know like it's it's close. Whatever they're driving towards is pretty close to the highway right now. And I really did have this moment where I was like, I should just follow them. <laughs> they will have boats on their cars. Like I should just follow them and see what they're going to go to because there's a bunch of them and it looks great. And we like 30 feet later when we didn't turn off, I looked over and it was the most beautiful scene I've ever seen in my life of of crystal clear water, people literally camping on like a giant rock, swimming in this water. I mean, I, it looked like water you could drink. It was insane. And we just stopped and I was like, should we turn around? And we didn't because it was almost lunchtime and whatever. But then when we got to the Rockies.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Did, did you just say that your favorite moment was when you missed out on having a good moment? <laughs> it, cause, cause we did get to look at it. We got to look at it.
1: And, and, and man, I, I'm lucky and, and that I didn't get an accident because I couldn't take my eyes off of the, the water uh, and the cliffs. And so we we decided not to stop though, but we kept going. And when we got through those the Rockies and out right outside of Denver, uh, I mean, all these places that I've heard like like all the all these amazing like ski organizations that I've heard of in my life, but never knew were in Colorado, are apparently the names of these different. I recognize that name. I recognize that name. Is this really where this brewery is? Like, it was so cool. And uh, we decided like it was we had about four or five hours left to Wyoming, uh, maybe three hours left to Wyoming from the Rockies and. It was a long day, 15 hours of driving or 16 that day. And the kids were a little bit crabby, but that really they were on their best. The kids were as perfect as kids could be. That whole trip it was crazy. Um, but I was like, Jody, we're stopping. We're stopping at like five different scenic spots. And we, we would just pull over the kids would stay in the car and look outside. And we would just like, look. And bro, yeah, it's just so beautiful. Like I, you, It's so cool to, to be in the mountains of, of Colorado and to drive and have it be 68 degrees. And literally two minutes later, it's 45 degrees and two minutes later, it's 80 degrees, and you're just going up and down. And I just, yeah, it's been a long time, if ever, since I've seen that kind of, uh, that beauty in nature. So. So glad we did it. It was super exhausting, but the drive was beautiful.
0: That's awesome. So uh, I like how we we've spent most of our time talking about the drive and not the destination. So we've got just a few minutes left. So you took the you took this whole this whole journey with your family. It was beautiful, and the, and, and it was all great. So what is the what is the takeaway? You're gonna you're gonna close us out for today. The biggest takeaway from this trip, you got to go out of your house. Like it's just kind of this freedom, right? That we're starting we're starting to get in most places. What's the biggest takeaway you had from your time with your family, your time with Joel, your time with your extended? family all those things
1: i'm going to steal a line and i don't know who i'm stealing it from um but I, I it was a great reminder to keep the main thing the main thing i forget who says that will it's from or what motivational speaker but um keep the main thing the main thing like we are my family is the main thing right my 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 wife and my kids and then my extended family as well my mom had surgery my dad's back is bad um and so like what would i do if i'm keeping the main thing the main thing i'm gonna go see my family i'm gonna go i'm gonna go drive and see my family so we drove across the country to spend time with my mom and dad to help took care of their dogs a little bit took other their dog was kind of young on some walks in arizona um we have friends like joel and colleen and their family that we love to death we want our kids to love their kids and they FaceTime a lot but we thought it would be important for them to see their friends and um and just like be adventurous right like we, we, I, I want to live like this with my family forever, especially with my wife and kids. Like we are going to be an adventure, an adventure family. We're just gonna do things that seem scary, uh, but we're gonna do it together. And like that drive was so intimidating just because who knew how crazy it was gonna be in the car. But we just kept laughing. The kids would say hilarious things. My wife and I would just like make eyes in the mirror because she sat in the back with the, the baby. Um, and so I would like look in the rearview mirror and we would just have so many moments of like just looking at each other and loving each other for a brief second. Um, and like it, just so many little confirmations that this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, so I think just like don't be afraid to take adventures with the people that you love, and to keep the main thing the main thing.
0: The main thing the main thing is Stephen Covey. Good job. Um, Who? Stephen Covey, the the, uh, the how to win friends and influence people guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I read that book. Well, that's where you got it. (laughs) There you go. No, that's good. And I I think with – just kind of wrap up our entire show, it's like – with everything going on, with COVID and and George Floyd and all the things that we talked about today, uh, what is what is the main thing? Uh, the, Jesus told us the main thing: uh, love God, love your neighbor. You know, so so how can we do that? How can we uh, all the stuff we've talked about today to, to work on ourselves personally, our own spiritual lives, and also love our neighbors, especially those the most marginalized um you know you and i were talking earlier about uh of uh, uh, the, the story of of the lost sheep and like you know we 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 heard a lot of that from from preachers this weekend it's like jesus left the 99 to go be with the one and, uh, the one that was hurting, the one that was in danger. And like, that's, that's what we need to be doing is going out and loving, uh, the people on the margins. Um, you know, Pope Francis says that all the time. The church has said that for 2000 years, the church is, is, is for the people on the margins. You know, Jesus came to save, to save sinners, all of us, me, you, everybody, everybody in the church. So, uh, guys, thanks for being with us uh, today. And John, uh, thank you for like, I, it's always great to have you on, but we worked, we worked, uh, hand in hand on this episode together. So thanks a lot, man.
1: Absolutely, bro. Appreciate it. Always
0: love it. All right, guys. I will be back next week. I love you guys. God loves you. Uh, even if it doesn't feel like either are true, both are true all the time. I'll be back next week. Say